You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions in the comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many questions as possible. So we're really continuing from the last show. I mean, if you didn't listen to the last show, it's good to catch up. We started touching on charity. We're going to spend more time, as we said, this is the season for charity, getting ready for the high holidays. Um, the Torah portion is talking about charity. And we were discussing this concept a little bit that um, a lot of charity in the Torah is a forced tax, which is not a bad thing. We were talking about how a person has to learn to be a giver. It's not just that the other person needs to benefit. It's not just the poor person benefiting. It's that I need to learn to be a giver and not a taker. And as I can't be selfish. Giving charity consistently, whatever I can afford, is one of the ways to help me become a giver. But there's other commands in the Torah that even though it's a forced tax, um, you have to follow the rules and regulations, but it'll still come under the umbrella of charity because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing. It is a charity. And again, it's interesting timing um, because it's we're still in the Shemitah season in Israel. In other words, they officially... Um, the land has to lay fallow, right? We don't plant the land or, or, or fix up the land or, or make the land better and prune the trees. All these things, we do not work on our farms during the sabbatical year, during the Shemitah year. And actually, there's another fascinating law that happens at the end of the Shemitah year. We're going to get to that in a second, of course, but we want to remind everybody, especially all my dedicated listeners, who I know you guys love the show, but I do need your help. Um, if I could ask you to go to my homepage, there's a bunch of levels to donate. Um, if you can help the show, we can spread our message. We can let more people find out about the show. We can pay to keep the show going. All these things are important to all of us. And if you'd like, there's a box there. Um, you can leave your name. I'll give you a shout out. We can do a memory of a happy birthday. Whatever works for you is all appreciated. And in advance, I thank you. But let's talk. We want to talk about Shemitah. So it is interesting. There's, I guess there's two parts about Shemitah that, um, that have to do with charity. Number one, let's say I have an apple orchard. So the poor person can come to my orchard during the Shemitah year and take as many apples as he wants, as my field is ownerless. Now, I'm not exactly giving, but I am watching people take from take my produce, right? And I have to be happy about it. And I can't fight with them. And I can't lock the doors. And I can't put up gates and fences. And I can't threaten them. And I can't yell and scream at them. So the Torah demands that my field is ownerless. So it's a... 
it's an interesting kind of giving. It's a forced tax in as much as that they can take whatever they want. It's not an amount. If I'm a wealthier farmer, I have more orchards. If I'm a poor farmer, I might have less orchards. But I have to leave my stuff for whoever wants it. So the whole concept of Shemitah is to help me remember it's not mine. As we said in the last show, I'm a steward of God's money. He gives me more. I have a responsibility to give away more. I'm a wealthy person. I have an even greater responsibility. I'm a poor person. I still have to give. But obviously, what should I do if I don't have so much to give? So the idea of Shemitah is that God says, it's not your land, right? Don't get worked up that somebody's taken these apples. They were never yours in the first place. God says, I, I let you uh, have an orchard. I let you make a good, nice living from it six out of seven years. But the seventh year, you're going to make it ownerless. Anybody who wants can come and take because you need to learn it's not yours. It's always mine. But I only give you the lesson every seven years. Every seven years is a pretty good lesson. So that should be enough that, uh, that you get the point, right, that it's not yours. And when I understand deep, deep inside of me that it's, it was never mine. So first of all, Shemitah is easy because it was never mine. And second of all, then even the other six years is also not mine, except God lets me harvest it. So why wouldn't I give charity? Right? So again, like we talked in the last show, we, we see this second famous command in this Torah portion about the sabbatical year, about Shemitah, that there's a lesson, right? It's not mine. Nothing is mine. It all belongs to God. God did me a favor. He let me be wealthy. So therefore, God expects me to be a good steward over the money he gave me or whatever it is he gave me. And to be charitable with it. If I don't want to be charitable, God says it was never yours in the first place. Right? You don't be upset that I took it away from you. It was never yours. So, uh, so therefore, therefore, we have this command called Shemitah. And it's really a part two of Shemitah. But it reminded me of a story that I saw this week. And there were two families in town. The Horowitzes and it's it's goodses and they were the two wealthiest families in town and they made a shidduch this one's son this one's daughter and you can imagine the townsfolk were pumped for this wedding because it's not just one wealthy family in town making a wedding it's the two wealthiest families in town making a wedding this is going to be a wedding we're going to talk about this for the next six months and we're going to eat like who knows what um two weeks before the wedding um, Mr. Horowitz receives a message that Mr. Itzkowitz wants to talk to him. Mr. Itzkowitz says, uh, you know, I'm so sorry. Um, my factory just burned down. All my money is gone. So I'm no longer one of the richest people in town like you. Shocked. Mr. Horowitz didn't waste a second. He said, the wedding is off. That's it. No wedding. You can't pay your share. I'm not interested. So Mr. Itzkowitz runs to the rabbi's house, and the rabbi listens to the story with Mr. Itzkowitz, with Mr. Horowitz. He says, look, the Sabbath is coming in a few hours. Uh, this is not the time to discuss the story. Let's talk about it after the Sabbath. We've all had time to, 
to sit down and sit back and think about it. So everybody said, no problem. So after the Sabbath, after a relaxing Sabbath, so Mr. Horowitz goes back to the rabbi's home with Mr. Itzquitz to discuss uh, what's going on over here. So the rabbi says, Mr. Horowitz should pay for the whole wedding. Mr. Horowitz says, ah, come on. Everybody knows you split the wedding. I pay half, he pays half. Why should I be responsible for the whole wedding? So the rabbi says, with a lot of patience, he says, Mr. Horowitz, you had good luck. Your factory didn't burn down. So why did you show some gratitude to God that you can, anyways, you could afford the whole wedding, right? So you should pay for the whole wedding because God did you a favor, right? Now look at the attitude over here, right? Mr. Horowitz's attitude was, huh, if he's not paying his share, I'm not interested. He lost all his money. So the rabbi is telling Mr. Horowitz, your attitude is wrong. God was going to make somebody lose money. He made Mr. Itzquitz lose his money. But you, God didn't make lose money. Because remember, it's all God's money. So God can do with it whatever he chooses. So therefore, Mr. Horowitz, since God was nice to you and was kind to you and allowed you to hold on to your money, so it only makes sense that you should pay for the whole thing in gratitude. Okay. So we're talking Shemitah. And we said a good lesson about Shemitah, but I don't know if you knew this. Everybody knows the sabbatical year the land lays fallow. There happens to be another important law, which actually takes place when we hit Rosh Hashanah. And that is, besides the rule that I have to make my field ownerless during the sabbatical year, when the sabbatical year is over, any outstanding loans are null and void. You cannot collect on loans after Shemitah, which is like amazing if you think about it, right? In other words, people are always doing business, I'm borrowing, lending, and now you're telling me that anything I lent during um, whenever it was, um, if all of a sudden we get to the end of Shemitah and I haven't collected, so I, the guy doesn't have to pay. Now, it happens to be the Talmud says that that even though when you go to, you're supposed to go pay. And the owner has to say, you don't have to pay. But really, really, you're supposed to say, but I want to pay anyways. The Torah doesn't obligate you to pay. But the fact of the matter is you should really pay. Um, and, and the verse, the language of the verse is, is fascinating, right? The person is, is the Torah uses like a, a real wicked person, a dover blial, it says, right? That... If you go ahead, let's say we're getting close to the Shemitah season, and you know if you lend a guy money, he might not pay you back because the Shemitah will, will nullify the loan. You don't get to say, what do, you, what do you think, I'm stupid? I'm going to lend you money, and now Shemitah comes, you're not going to pay me. And you're going to say, the Torah says I don't have to pay. So I'm not lending money. The Torah says that's a terrible attitude. So it, it always reminds me of a story, a personal story. And at the end of the day, I don't know the end, what, what really happened. When I bought my house, oh, I don't know, 30-something, not 30 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever it was, um, I needed down payment. Now, the house wasn't so expensive in those days, so the down payment was not so humongous. But I went around and I borrowed whatever money I needed. And I borrowed from a bunch of people. And I paid them back. 
But all of a sudden, I don't know, two years later, three years later, I, I have this imagination that there was a certain doctor that I borrowed not a lot of money, but it was probably $500. And I had borrowed money from a guy, but I for sure didn't pay him. But I couldn't remember if I borrowed money from him. And I was officially, if I, lend, if, right, if I borrow money from you, so I write a document that says I owe you money. So you have a document. I don't hold a document that I owe you money. So I saw him one day in synagogue in the morning, and I went over and said, Doctor, I said, I, I, I keep thinking that when I, when I bought my house, I borrowed money, and I keep thinking that I borrowed $500 from you, and I can't remember, but I want to pay you back. So the doctor says, look, I don't remember if you borrowed money. For all I know, he was lying. I don't remember if you borrowed money. But one thing I can tell you, I never would have lent you money. It would have been a present. It for sure would have been a present. You asked to borrow it, so I lent it to you. That is, is the key over here. The poor person who's borrowing money, the Torah says he's embarrassed to ask for charity. So here's an out. Here's a simple way to give him charity that he feels good about himself. He borrowed the money. Okay, the Torah says you borrow money. When Shemitah comes, you don't have to pay it back. The guy's not making a plan. He's a poor person. He doesn't want to take straight out charity. But here the Torah said, hey, I got a great way. Give the guy charity. He thinks it's a loan. So he's not embarrassed. Oh, but uh, he doesn't have to pay you back. So you got to give your charity. You did it in a nice way. He saved face. Very beautiful. Now it happens to be um, the Great Hill came along and saw it was a problem. The fact of the matter was that people were having a hard time lending money. So he created something called a prusible. A prusible basically means that I give the court all my documents. I make the court responsible to collect. There's eyes an individual cannot collect on a loan during once Shemitah comes and says the loans are, are null and void. But the court could collect. So as long as I give the court the documents or the rights to the documents before the end of Shemitah, so then the loans are no, are no longer null and void and they can be collected. So this principle, some people write it before Shemitah starts, but for the most part, people will actually sit down and write these documents. They usually have photocopy documents, very simple documents. There's rules and regulations with them, but we're not going to get too involved in all those rules and regulations. I just want you to the concept. So they, they created a concept that the court will collect it, so therefore the loans are not null and void because Hill saw people couldn't handle it. Okay. Now, the verse continues over there, by the way, very interesting verses. The verses by Shemitah say there's always going to be poor people. There's always poor people. So it's almost like the Torah is telling you, there's always poor people. God did your favor, and he made it that you're not one of those poor people. So be happy to give them charity. That's number one. And number two is, as we've been explaining, if, if one of the purposes of charity is to make me into a, a giving person, then the poor person is doing me a favor. Which is another one of the important lessons of charity, and, and this we've talked about certainly in the past, and that is a poor person comes to your door. 
maybe you want to give him, maybe you don't want to give him, maybe you're in a good mood, maybe you're not in a good mood. But the guy didn't do anything wrong. Right? He didn't do anything wrong. He just wants, he just wants you to be friendly, be nice, smile. You could give him, you can't give him. Many times I give people who come to my door, how much can I give them? I'm not such a wealthy person. But I can do it nicely. I can say, you know, I wish I could give you more. I wish I could give you more. The poor person feels good. He, it's, it's hard to collect. The person's poor. He's in a bad situation. He's in a difficult situation. Why make it worse? Be nice to me. Talk to me nicely. You know, last night, um, I'm in synagogue, and I actually was standing next to a fellow teacher. Actually, I'm the third grade Rebbe. He's a second grade Rebbe, and I wanted to get some information before today starts. So I'm just waiting there. Uh, somebody walks by. I have no idea who this person is. But I smile at him. He starts talking to me. Happens to be he grew up in Detroit probably, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago, before I moved to Detroit. But he says to me, I don't know a single person in town. His father was a rabbi in town many, many, many years ago. I think an older brother sort of took over, comes for holidays. This person hasn't been in town forever. It seems his children were bored. It was like a few days between camp and between um, school starting. So they say, you know, we never saw our grandfather's house. We want to go to Detroit. <laughs> so father says, no problem. I don't know if they flew, if they drove, but it was like so interesting. He, he saw me smile at him. He doesn't know a soul in town. It's like lonely. So he wants to talk. So we schmoozed. We talked. I tell him whose house I'm in. He remembers the person I bought the house from. And, and we talked about his father a little bit and other great people in town. And um, somehow we got into relatives. You know, it's Jewish geography. But I was there with his kids. We're talking. Can you imagine how good the person must feel that somebody didn't ignore me? Everybody puts down their head when somebody walks by you don't know. Everybody pulls out their phones. Put away the phone. Look around. Says, be pleasant. Be nice. That's also charity, by the way. It's, it's a beautiful kind of charity. You know, um, the holidays are coming. This is also a verse in, the, in, in this week's Torah portion. There's a lot of, you know, around charity. This is the most famous verse, of course, but that's in Malachi, that says you'll give, and if you give to the poor, then Hashem will give you back so much that you're going to say, Hashem, you give me too much already, enough already. But we have a lot of verses that all go around the concept without that straight out support the poor person. So it happens to be on the holidays, the verse says, you'll be happy. You should be happy on the holiday. And your sons, your daughters, your servants. And then all of a sudden it's, it slides in. And the convert and the orphan and the widow Right? You know, as you're making your family happy on the holidays, make sure the poor people are happy on the holidays. Straight out charity, right? In other words, it's, God doesn't want you. You can't be happy when there's people out there suffering that you could have helped. If you have the ability to help people, you got to help them. And you know, that's part of the joy of the holidays. That I'm not a selfish person, it's just me. Then what do I have already? Right? The, to enjoy the holiday, you got to share the wealth. 
to each on their level. And don't worry, there's all kinds of organizations that are happy to uh, take your few dollars. They're happy to take your few dollars, but they collect from so many people, they can help so many families that are having difficulty getting ready for the holidays. So I saw an amazing story. We're talking about uh, that it's all God's money and God gives who he chooses. So um, there was a beggar who knocked on the door of a young, I don't know how young, but of a Jewish couple. They were recently married. And every day, the wealthy husband came home and his wife would prepare a special meal for him. It was private time. And... Um, and she, the wife tried to make lunch as, as pleasant as possible because she knew that her husband in his earlier years had been a poor man. But the wheel of fortune had turned and he was a, a very wealthy man now. Now, interesting enough, they had been married recently. They didn't really know too much about each other's past, but uh, they're married. There was a knock on the door and people always came to ask for help. And um, the wife goes to the door, and the, she opens the door, and the man says that, um, please have pity on me, please have pity, um, I'm starving, you know, I, I must eat. And the husband tells his wife, please bring him in, and he gives his whole plate of food to this poor person, and the poor man demolishes the meal. He was obviously starving. He just demolishes the meal, and uh, and he leaves. And um, afterwards, the man leaves, and the man sees his wife is like very nervous. Uh, it can't be. The husband's thinking that. Uh, that a beggar ate the meal because she's a very charitable lady. She enjoyed when he gave charity. So what was bothering her? So he asked his wife, please tell me, why are you so upset? What's bothering you? So she says, you know, I don't know if you recognize that person coming in. There's no way you would have recognized him. But um, this is not my first marriage. And my first husband, I wanted to give a very stingy person. And one time, there was a person who knocked on the door, and he was begging. He said he was starving. He hadn't eaten in days. And could they please give him a little bread? And her first husband um, yelled and screamed, get out of here. It's my lunchtime. Come back later. What are you doing over here? And uh, soon after that, um, our wealth took a downturn. My husband became poor, and uh, he became so poor, he said to me, no point in us being married, I can't take care of you, I'm going to divorce you, you move on with life, and, uh, and I'll move on with my life. So she says that, um, you know, it was rumored that my husband just was a pauper collecting door to door, and I never saw him again, I moved here, we got married, until today. That person that knocked on the door was my husband, my first husband. So her husband, so she said, that's why I'm a little like, you know, I see, you know, that the difference is you were so generous 
he was so stingy, he's knocking door to door, so you're so kind, I'm so appreciative. So her husband says, I did recognize your husband. You know why I recognize your husband? Because I was the poor guy that knocked on the door. I was that poor guy that was starving, and your husband threw me out of the house. And look how God made the world turn around. Now he's the one coming and begging, and I'm the one that uh, they can afford to give. So as we said, right, it's all God's money, but uh, I have to be a good steward with it. Okay, music is playing, of course. Hope you enjoyed it, short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors. Listen, I can't do it without you. Thank you on the production team. We have David in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. Gonna make